Everybody and welcome to episode 51 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. I'm lucky enough to be joined by Scott MacArthur of Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 The Fan today. Here's what we've got on the menu for you. We will talk about the recent coronavirus news as we've done in every episode in the past few weeks. We'll talk about life as a sports talk show host with Scott, who of course hosts the leadoff on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We'll talk about a shortened MLB season, a potential shortened season that is, and we'll even make a prediction at the end of the show. Scott, how are you today? I'm uh, great, Dylan, living in these weird times as you and, and everyone else is. And I mean, it's, it's strange. And I think, I think the one thing that is troubling outside of some of the very sad numbers of deaths and infections uh, we're learning from around the world and in hotspot places like New York State, one of the sad things and difficult things is the uncertainty, just the, the, the lack of clarity, understandably, but the lack of clarity we all have on when things may just return to some semblance of normalcy. So let's, let's hope for the best on all of it. Yeah, for sure. There's so much, there's so much unknown right now. You don't, you don't know when this is all going to end. We have no idea how the rest of the rest of the year is going to play out if we're going to see sports again, but let's get right into these uncertain times and the recent coronavirus news as we've done the last few weeks. There have been a lot of new cases in recent weeks among professional athletes, including one yesterday at the time of this recording, or Tuesday, April 7th for reference, in a Colorado Avalanche player. Of course, we're all aware of the cases in the NBA. The NHL has kept names private, and so have the MLB with the two minor leaguers in the Yankees system that have tested positive. There was a conference call between the commissioners of the four major North American sports leagues with the President of the United States, who said that he wants to see sports back sooner rather than later, but gave a timeline of July or August, which is no sooner than what we'd expected before. However, the MLB is trying to devise a plan that will see fanless stadiums in Arizona host games as soon as May. They're open to applying changes, and they will use Chase Field and all spring training stadiums in Arizona as the diamonds that the teams will play at. And they are thinking about using electric strike zones so that the umpire can stay away from the catcher, playing seven innings, seven inning double headers to get a full 162 game season in, and no use of dugouts and no mound visits to help socially distance. Scott, is there any chance that that could realistically happen? Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the question based on everything you laid out, and there's one thing that I'm focused on, and that is uh, starting in May. Uh, so my answer to that question, uh, without a truly informed opinion, um, but one that I feel is relatively informed, is, is no, absolutely not. It is, it is not possible, and it is not possible because it would be um, extremely, extremely stupid. Uh, to do so. And, and here's why. Uh, the, the virus um, is an entity unlike any strain of illness that we have experienced in our lifetime and certainly in the Western uh, so-called advanced world. And, and so, Dylan, I'll paint the picture for you as, as I see it. And, and it is this. You've got 30 Major League Baseball teams multiplied by 26 players per team. So that's 780 Major League Baseball players. You have some composition of a Major League coaching staff that would involve a manager and uh, coaches and training staff and medical personnel. You have the front office folks, the um, general managers and assistant general managers. You have the owners who may come in and out of the scenario here, although I would imagine if they stay on the outside, they're going to have to be on the outside, wouldn't be allowed to attend games um, coming in and out of the quarantine system. You then have 
um, stadium workers. You have shuttle drivers, um, bus drivers or shuttle drivers who I would presume would taxi in buses, uh, teams to and from the stadium and the hotel. You then have hotel workers who would also have to be in quarantine. And you would have to keep this entire pack of people, which would number more than a thousand, strictly isolated until public health officials are confident and convinced that we are beyond the worst of this pandemic, such that the illness is no longer a threat to spread. And so would players be on board with quarantining from their families for months on end? Because that's what this would take. Would stadium workers and hotel workers and shuttle drivers be on board with quarantining from their families? Because that's what this would take. Let's just take one person out of the more than a thousand that this would take. Let's take one person as as an example. Let's take a shuttle driver. There's not the shuttle driver. There's a shuttle driver because there would need to be more than one. Let's just say that shuttle driver is male and let's say he is married to a woman and let's say he has two teenage kids. Let's say that that shuttle driver sneaks off because he misses his wife and kids. Let's say that one of those teenage kids has a partner and that teenage child has been in contact with that partner at some point in the last couple of weeks. And let's say that that partner has a parent who is caring for an elderly person who has COVID-19. The elderly person passes it on to the parent of the partner. The partner is in close proximity to the parent. The partner takes it to the shuttle driver's uh, teenage child. The teenage child takes it to the shuttle driver. The shuttle driver goes back to work and boom, it's in the system. And it is infecting not everybody, but at least one other person. And now we've got an outbreak within MLB's little quarantine. So that is just one example of how this virus could get in if perfect discipline and execution of a quarantine involving more than a thousand people doesn't take place. That's why I welcome all this conversation about possibilities, permutations. Um, It's all hopeful. It's all optimistic. And God knows we need some of uh, hope and optimism in our lives right now. But I do think it is unfeasible. And in, 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 in part because of reality, but also in, in a smaller part because of optics. If a league comes back, and we're talking baseball here. So if Major League Baseball comes back and after it comes back, someone gets sick with COVID-19, there is going to be a lot for which to answer. And, and so I think that these, these hopes and this optimism is grandiose. I think it would be fundamentally irresponsible for baseball to come back any sooner than public health officials say it's okay for people to gather and, and so I get it. You've got to cover your bases, uh, pun intended. You've got, to, you've got to try to talk it through and come up with ideas. But I truly believe it would be 
the height of stupidity to run the risk of giving this virus another shot at life. Yeah, no, and I think it would be ridiculous to start any form of baseball activity in May with many teams because I know there are some players that are staying in spring training camps but throwing on their own, doing their own things. They're not bunched up with their with their teams, which is what would happen here if this were to take place in Arizona. You would have players away from their families, as you mentioned. Maybe they incentivize them with a bit ex, a bit of extra money and they do the same thing for the hotel workers. Do they agree to that? I don't know. And then you laid out a scenario where uh, somebody – comes in contact with somebody who has the virus and then the whole thing goes down. Now, yesterday, I'm not sure if you saw, but Ben Nicholson Smith put out an article on sportsnet.ca talking about the plan and how the NPB, then upon the professional baseball league in Japan had a similar plan, but three players contracted the virus soon after. Is that the most cautionary tale that the MLB should wait until things go back to as normal as they possibly can be? Yeah, I think, I I mean, I think it's a perfect example. And Um, You know, I want to be very clear. I think everybody's intention here is good. I I do think that there is uh, a an element of distraction that that sports um, offers us. And Dylan, let's be honest. I mean, we're all hunkered down in our homes right now. This would be the perfect time for sports leagues to 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 be um, locking in with our eyeballs. I mean, we'd be what, what else do we have to do? I mean, we can binge Netflix. We can. Uh, Zoom chat people, we can we can FaceTime people, but but let's let's be clear. I mean, we got time on our hands, and and we could use the distraction. We could we could use those three hours to get invested into something else that that takes our minds away from the reality of our world right now. But I, I just I just think um, I, I just think it's too dangerous, and and the one thing we know is is that this virus does not care if you're rich. It does not care if you're middle class. It does not care of your socio or economic status in our world. Um, The prime minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, is fighting for his life right now. This virus does not discriminate. And, And so... We've got to be very careful here. Um, I think the, the Japanese Baseball League does serve as a, as a, as a warning, as you, as you laid out. And uh, also just the scenario that I laid out earlier about the possibility of resuming in Arizona. We, we just cannot give uh, this virus uh, any opportunity beyond what it's already being given to spread. Yeah, I think it would be irresponsible even to start a, any, any form of baseball activity in may in arizona so i don't think this happens anytime soon maybe july and august if we see the numbers go down but may is way too early i think even june is too early well and i think the i'll I'll just add one thing and it's very sad um the united states is a mess right now Mm -hmm. uh it has been the the virus has been badly mishandled uh by a lot of places uh down there and especially by uh the trump administration and the federal government so uh, we are, uh, I think, doing all right here in Canada. Nothing is perfect. But just because we start to see improvements in the next month or two, of which we're hopeful, that doesn't mean that the U.S. is, is going to be in lockstep with us. So I don't know this, Dylan. Again, like none of us know anything. Um, it's, it's all going to play out in real time. But I would not be surprised if there's a scenario for a period of time, not where necessarily Canada is completely past 
COVID-19, but where we are significantly further ahead of the United States, such that some of the restrictions on the way we're living right now get lifted, but that our borders cannot reopen. Uh, we, that that, that, that we, we just are not able to cross or to have Americans cross to come and visit us. And, and, and so, again, um, there's one Major League Baseball team based in, in Canada. There's seven of 31 NHL teams based in Canada. There's one NBA team out of 30 based in Canada. These leagues can't run without America functioning. Um, so I, I, that's why I'm just I'm not I'm not at all optimistic about any near term sports, professional sports leagues getting getting back underway. Yeah. And as much as we'd love to have a distraction right now, I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Moving on to something a little bit happier. Every week we try to give you a different perspective of the game uh, from that of one of our guests. And this week we we're lucky enough to have one of our favorite guests, Scott MacArthur of Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, the fan on the show. In case you were unaware, Scott, along with Mike Zigomanis, hosts the leadoff with Ziggy and Scotty Mack Monday to Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Scott has also hosted Blue Jays Talk and the Scott MacArthur, Scott MacArthur Show pardon me, on TSN Radio and was a host at CHUM Radio in Ottawa for several years. So, Scott, under normal circumstances, what is the day like hosting a morning show? <laughs> it starts early. Um, <laughs> my, alarm, my alarm goes off at 4 o'clock every wow. morning. And, uh, you know, some would say that that might be a, a little bit early only because I'm a slightly less than 10 minute drive from work. So I get up a full two hours early, but that's because I am a human being and I, I do like to shower, uh, wake up a little bit, um, have some breakfast. I, I like I like to work on a on a full stomach. I like to get my coffee made and poured and and I like to drink it. So so I do all of that stuff. Um, and I get into work at about 5.15-ish, and most of our preparation is done the, the day before. Um, when there are sports being played, we obviously watch those games um, in, the, in the evenings, and so it can make for long days, and the way that we uh, mitigate that is, um, I won't speak for Ziggy, but I certainly for me, I, I take a good three hour nap in the afternoon. Um, and I try to keep it consistent. I'll, uh, you know, depending on, and it's a lot easier to be consistent these days just because nobody's got any social plans of any kind, or there's, there are no events to attend or no people to see. Um, so I'm, so I'm able to, I'm able to keep it more consistent, but typically I do like to, to try to get down around 1130, 12, 1230, late morning lunch hour and sleep until three ish um, or either side of three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, it's a broken up sleep schedule. So it can be difficult at times, especially if that nap doesn't go so well, but that's how I get my sleep. Um, I try to stay in shape um, and I spend uh, a good portion of my uh, free time during the day uh, reading, uh, keeping in touch with, people who can give me some insight. Uh, my producer, Mike Gentili, and I are on the phone, I would say, at least twice a day, oftentimes more like three or four times a day. We have a show chat on WhatsApp. So uh, WhatsApp, WhatsApp. Uh, so Ziggy and me and Hugh Burl, um, Ryan Mon, our technical producer, Mike Gentili and, and, and me are all on that chat. So we can stay in good communication, exchange ideas, 
as the day goes on or alert people to a, a topic, an article that one of us may have read that we think everybody else should brush up on so we can have a conversation about it. So that's really, that's really what a, a day looks like. It's about making sure that I'm rested well enough, given the strange circumstances of our hours and, and preparing for the next day's show. That's super interesting. Now, how much prep time would you say and what do you do to prepare yourself goes into hosting the leadoff? And how does that compare to a show like Blue Jays Talk where you're on post game uh, every night? Yeah, I mean, we're reacting uh, on Blue Jays Talk to, to, to that night's game. And, and we're also, we're, uh, I don't say working our sources all the time. I don't want to make it sound like I'm an intrepid Shy Davidi type uh, MLB <laughs> insider, but but I mean, uh, batting, batting cage chats uh, during batting practice and, and different things, talking to players and, and, and coaches and, and what have you uh, before the game um, can often offer some pretty keen insight into the general mood of the team or something that, that is a particular individual is working on offensively or defensively or a pitch that the, someone is working on the bullpen, whatever the case may be, mechanics, you, you name it. I mean... Uh, all of those conversations offer insight. It's different when you're hosting a generalized sports talk radio show because you're, you're trying to be multifaceted. I mean, if anything, you're hoping to be somewhat entertaining. And, and I would prefer to drop the word somewhat from that sentence. So you're trying to be creative and come up with different segments, uh, different, uh, different ideas. I, I hesitate to use the word bits uh, because those are more passe now, but but just different things that will catch a listener's attention and make them interested in in what it is we're talking about, whether it's a, a topic. Um, you know, Ziggy and I are, are trying to be creative through this period of time without sports. The, the CFL is is facing a potential issue here, as reported by Justin Dunk of, of Three Down Nation the other day that there's a clause in all CFL players' contracts that states that should a CFL season ever be suspended, all player contracts are void on the spot. Now, that terminology is included in contracts because the CFL at times over the last three decades has had its financial struggles such that there has been cause to wonder at times, not so much now, but in the past, whether the league itself would survive. So that was a clause put into standard player contracts to protect the league um, from having to continue to pay players should it dissolve. Well, now COVID-19 will postpone the start of the CFL season. And so does the term suspended stand up? Um, the, the, the start of the season arguably has been suspended as well as postponed. So there's argument over that terminology. Well, what Ziggy and I did was we said, hey, uh, let's pretend the NHL uh, just declared everyone a free agent and let's work within the 2019-2020 parameters, 2019-2020 uh, player salaries, an $81.5 million salary cap. You and I play GM. We will draft our own teams within the $81.5 million salary cap, keeping under that, and we will square off in a seven-game sim series. And the winner will take on a listener that we invite onto the show to draft his or her own team. And so these are the different things that we're, that we're trying 
right now. So there's that component. Then there is the more informed component where you are determining which topics are of top interest for the next morning show, uh, reading up on them. Uh, if you have contacts in that area, reaching out to contacts for feedback to gain a better understanding of what in fact is going on, which will help inform your opinion that you share on the radio show. So there's that component. It's really just a multifaceted thing. Um, those two uh, examples combined with the generalized chatter uh, that we keep going on our WhatsApp chat and uh, phone calls through the day. That's, that's fascinating. I mean, I love all the things that you guys do on the lead off and the, the time that you put in to come up with these things, I'm sure is immense. So Scott, you've been hosting your own show for a while. You've been a reporter at TSN on the Blue Jays. You contribute to sportsnet.ca for their Blue Jays coverage. So it's safe to say you can wear many hats. My question is, which do you prefer out of the three, hosting your own show, reporting or writing? I have always believed myself to be a, a sports talk radio host. Um, that's, mm. that's why I got into this industry uh, almost 20 years ago. That's why uh, or that's what uh, I dreamed about uh, better than 30 years ago now uh, as a boy and then a teenager listening to Bob McCown. Um, you know, he's somebody who, uh, indirectly, I never really got to know him, had a couple of chats with him in our brief overlap at Sportsnet 590, the fan, but he was someone, and I don't, th I don't think I'm the only person who would say this about Bob McCown, but, but he was probably my main influence growing up in, in Toronto or in Oakville in the greater Toronto area, GTA. He was my main influence and, and, and somebody that I appreciated listening to and, um, and I liked his style. And, and so that's where my heart has always been. There, there's been a part of me uh, through the years uh, that uh, was keen on doing a little bit of play-by-play -play or trying a little bit of play-by-play. -play. Uh, but I, I, I say this, I'm never shutting the door on, on anything, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. But there, the travel component of of my particular industry is something that has lessened in appeal for me as the years have gone on. And I, I just don't know from a work-life balance perspective and from a personal life perspective, whether I want to be on the road as much as play-by-play -play would require me to be on the road. And that's not to presume that someone would be interested in hiring me to do play-by-play, -play, but in terms of interests that I've had or things that I've thought about goals that I have hoped to achieve or maybe wish to have achieved, that certainly has been on the list. So out of all of them, I, I, I like to think of myself as a sports talk radio host. Um, and uh, well, I've enjoyed everything. That certainly, that certainly uh, tops the list. Well, you do a great job. It's always fun to listen to whatever show you're hosting, whether it's the lead off, the Scott MacArthur show or Blue Jays talk. It's always a pleasure to listen. Um, so I know you use social media for the leadoff with the question of the day. How important is engaging your audience via social media in today's landscape? Well, it's very important. And, and I, I think, Dylan, that there is a, a balance uh, to be struck. Um, uh, you know, I have over the last couple of weeks probably posted less on Twitter and less on Instagram, the two main social media outlets that I use than usual. And, and that's just because I, I, like everybody else, have found myself a little bit um, overwhelmed and worn down by the world's current 
set of circumstances. And so I have tried um, as a matter of self-preservation to unplug uh, a little more often. And so I'm just not spending as much time on those social media apps, but it absolutely, generally speaking, uh, to answer your question, is important. We've, we've got to proliferate our message. We've got to get it out there. There is no period of time in radio's 100-plus year history where it faces stiffer competition. I mean, you've got your traditional media like TV, etc., but where we have generally relied on listenership, that would be people in their cars. Well, people in their cars now can download their favorite podcasts before they even leave the house and throw in uh, the beats and, and listen to their podcasts and preferred shows on their drive, uh, drives to and from work. So we are, we are competing in different ways now more so than ever. So it is important that we utilize um, all, all um, materials and, and all publications and all media uh, that we have access to to make sure people find out about our message, either hear our message or see our message. And then when they do tune in to listen, we've got to make sure we deliver so that they keep coming back. Yeah, that's super interesting when you mentioned the competition, because for me, it's always been listening to the radio when I get in the car. But you did mention that we could easily download our favorite podcasts at home or download a couple of, a couple of songs, have a good playlist going when we're when we're driving in the car so it's interesting that there is so much competition right now and you do need to use social media which is something that outlet that everybody is using everybody's on social media to to captivate your audience and i think you guys do a really good job of really good job of that on the lead off and i think a lot of shows are starting to use that with their with the questions and polls and stuff like that so i think it's, it's super fascinating how that works in the industry thank you so much for sitting down with us scott it was a pleasure to get a chance to chat with you about your broadcasting career Dylan, you've you got a bright future, but I've told you that before. I'll repeat it now, and I'll say it again down the road. Uh, I always enjoy coming on, even though you are competition. You host the podcast. <laughs> this podcast could be downloaded and listened to by drivers on their way to and from work. So even though we're competition, but I, I'm, I'm joking. We're all, I'm always happy to come on and, and reach out anytime. Thank you so much. Now, if you don't mind, one more topic quickly. Uh, there's the possibility of the MLB playing a shortened season. And if there was to be a shortened season, could we see some surprise teams make it to the playoffs that they have a really good month since there, since there are less games for things to even out? I, I, I think that that is entirely possible. Yes, I, I really do. Um, and again, it, it, it's as you just said. Uh, what, if, what if there's an 80-game schedule and what if 20 games into the season, a quarter of the way through the season, the Toronto Blue Jays happen to be, and I'm using them as the local example. Uh, maybe not the best example. Uh, some would say the Chicago White Sox, for example, uh, are a team that should finally be on the upswing as they have made some key signings. And uh, Yasmani Grandal and, and, and Dallas Keuchel to supplement their very strong uh, young roster. Um, but let's just say the Toronto Blue Jays are 15 and five uh, after 20 games. Well, you know, if you if if you could portion out the next 60 games such that you're 500 in the next 20 and 500 in the 20 after that and slightly over 500, say 13 and seven, somehow, some way in the final 20 games, well, that that'd get you eight to 10 to 12 games over 500 
um, or even more. Don't, don't count on me for math, especially when I'm doing it in, in real time. But that would get you over 500. Better than I would. Yeah, get you over 500 and up. You know, and, and, then, and then the thing too, Dylan, is like, well, where does this, what does this mean for Nate Pearson? I mean, is, is this somebody who could come in in a shortened season and have an impact from start to finish? where you're not worried about a year-over-year innings increase, he's only going to hit about 60 or 80 innings anyway, which would be less than he threw last year. So there's all these ramifications of, of, the, of the illness. But, yeah, it would be absolutely crucial to get off to a strong start. And, you know, where the advantages may lie for an upstart team, remember the New York Yankees were going to start the year with Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, James Paxton, all injured. I I would have included uh, Luis Severino in that, but he's lost for the entire year with Tommy John. At least Stanton and and Paxton will be back. So, again, other teams are going to gain from this too in terms of injuries that have have healed. So it will be tough. But, yeah, I think a team like the Blue Jays could surprise with a strong start, but I would lean more toward a team like the Chicago White Sox. I think they're – ready in the uh, relatively weak uh, American League Central to make a, a breakthrough. Yeah, it should be quite fascinating to watch all this play out and to see what happens. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Would you like to do this again sometime? I'd love to, Dylan. Anytime. You know, you know my number. Awesome. Thank you very much. We'd also like to take some time to thank the essential workers for their continued hard work. I'm not sure where anyone would be without them and their continued support through all of this. The medical staff, the people working at grocery stores, restaurants, making sure that everyone is fed and everyone is safe during this pandemic. This has been episode 51 of 211's Baseball Talk. We thank you all very much for tuning in and we will talk to you.